Chapter 2 Three Children From the Thief Lord by Cornelia Funk The Hartlips had been right. Prosper and Beau had indeed managed to get to Venice. They had traveled a long way, squatting in rattling trains, hiding from conductors and nosy old ladies. They had locked themselves into stinking toilets, slept in dark corners, squeezed slightly together, hungry, tired, and frozen. But they had done it. And they were still together. At exactly the same time, their Aunt Esther was sitting down on a chair in front of Victor Goetz's desk. The two boys were standing in a doorway just a few steps from the Rialto Bridge. The cold wind blew in their faces. There was no doubt about it. The warm days were gone. Esther had been wrong about one thing. Prosper and Beau were not alone. There was a girl with them. She was slender and had brown hair, which she wore in a long, thin braid that went right down to her hips and looked like a long stinger. It had given her her nickname, Hornet. She never answered to anything else. The girl was frowning as she stared at the crumpled piece of paper. People pushed past her, ramming their full shopping bags in her back. I think we've got everything, she said in a quiet, slightly hoarse voice. Prosper had liked that voice as soon as he heard it, even before he'd been able to understand much of what she was saying. At first, he remembered just the few words of Italian that his mother had taught him, along with her stories of Venice. But he'd been fast to learn. Now there's just the batteries for Mosca. Where can we get those? Prosper pushed his bangs out of his face. There's a hardware store back in that side alley, he said. He saw that Beau was hunching up his shoulders against the cold, so he turned up his brother's collar. The children pushed back into the crowd. It was market day at the Rialto, and the narrow alleys were even more crowded than usual. Men and women, young and old, were squashed between the stalls, most of them laden with bags and parcels, everyone trying to squeeze past one another. There were old ladies who had probably never left the city, weaving their way around the tourists. The air smelled of fish, autumn flowers, and dried mushrooms. Hornet, Bo reached for her hand and gave her his sweetest smile. Will you buy me one of those little cakes over there? Hornet pinched his cheek affectionately and shook her head. No, she said firmly, pulling him along. The hardware store Prosper had discovered was tiny. In its window between coffee machines and toasters stood a few toys. Bo gazed at them, his mouth open. But I'm hungry, he moaned, pressing his hands against the glass. You're always hungry, Prosper smiled. He opened the door and stayed with Bo near the entrance while Hornet walked up to the counter. The girl addressed an elderly lady who had her back turned to the counter and was dusting radios. Scusi, I need batteries, too, for a small radio. The lady packed the batteries in a bag and pushed a handful of candy across the counter. What a sweet boy, she said, winking at Bo. Fair as an angel. Is he your brother? Hornet shook her head. No, they're my cousins. They're just visiting. Prosper pushed Bo behind his back, but the boy slipped through his brother's arms and snatched the candy from the counter. Grazie, he said. He smiled at the old lady and hopped back to Prosper. The lady smiled. Un vero angelico. She put Hornet's money in the register. But his mother should darn his pants and dress him in warmer clothes. The winter is coming. 
Didn't you hear the wind in the chimneys today? We'll tell her, Hornet stuffed the batteries into her full shopping bag. Have a nice day, Signora. And Helico, huh? Prosper shook his head as they pushed their way into the crowd. How come they all fall for you, Bo? His little brother just stuck his tongue out at him and skipped ahead. The two older children had to struggle to keep up with him as he nimbly wove his way through all the legs and bodies. Not so fast, Bo, Prosper shouted after him. Hornet just laughed. Leave him, she said. We won't lose him. See, he's right there. Bo made a face. He tried to hop around an orange he'd seen on the ground, but he stumbled and crashed into a group of Japanese tourists. Startled, he scrambled up again, only to start smiling as soon as he saw that two of the women were pointing their cameras at him. But before they could take their pictures, Prosper was already dragging his brother away by the collar. How often do I have to tell you not to let yourself get photographed, he hissed at his brother. Bo pulled away from Prosper's hand and skipped over an empty cigarette pack. But they were Japanese, and Esther won't like a Japanese photographs, will she? And you said she was going to adopt another boy anyway. Prosper nodded and mumbled, yes, but he couldn't be looking around as if he expected his aunt to be lurking in the crowd, just waiting for a chance to grab Bo. Hornet noticed the look on Prosper's face. You're thinking about your aunt again, aren't you? She whispered, although Bo had wandered out of earshot again. Forget her, she's not looking for you anymore. And even if she is, then she wouldn't be looking here, would she? Prosper shrugged. He cast an uncomfortable glance at a couple of women passing by. Probably not, he murmured. But Horner insisted, definitely not, so stop worrying. Prosper nodded, although he knew he wouldn't be able to stop. Every night, while Bo slept as soundly as a kitten, Prosper dreamed of Esper. Upright, nervous, hairspray sticky Esther. Hey, Prop! Bo suddenly stopped in front of them again. He held up a full wallet toward Prosper. Look what I found! Prosper snatched the wallet from his brother's hand and pulled him into a dark arcade away from the crowd. Where did you get that, Bo? Hornet had followed them behind a pile of old crates. A couple of pigeons were picking at bits of squash fruit on the ground. Bo pushed out his lower lip defiantly, sulkily holding on to Hornet's arm. I found it. I told you. A big bald man dropped it out of his pocket. He didn't even notice it. And then I found it. Prosper sighed. Since they had begun to fend for themselves, Prosper had learned to steal. Only food at first, but then money, too. He hated it. He always got scared, and his fingers started to tremble every time. Bo, however, thought it was an exciting game. Prosper had forbidden his brother to steal anything, and he told him off very harshly every time he caught him. He certainly didn't want to give Esther a chance to say that he had turned his little brother into a thief. Calm down, Prop, Hornet said, giving Bo a cuddle. He told you he didn't want to steal it, and that man is long gone. At least have a look and see how much is in it. Reluctantly, Prosper opened the wallet. The visitors who came to Venice to see the palaces and churches were always losing things, mostly just bottles of water or the cheap carnival masks that you could buy on any street corner. 
But every now and then, the strap of camera would snap or a handful of change would fall out of someone's pocket, and sometimes even a wallet like this. Prosper leafed through the compartments, but there were only a few 1,000 lira notes tucked in, crumbled between receipts, restaurant bills, and used tickets. Well, it would have been nice when it couldn't hide her disappointment as Prosper threw the wallet into an empty crate. Our cash box is nearly empty. Let's hope the thief lord can fill it up again tonight. Of course he will, Bo looked at Hornet as if she had doubted that the earth was round. And one day I'm going to help him. I'm going to be a big thief. Scipio will teach me. Over my dead body, Prosper grumbled, pushing Bo back into the alley. It's okay, Hornet whispered to Prosper. Bo was trotting ahead of them, looking deeply insulted. You don't really think Scipio is going to take him along on a raid, do you? Prosper shook his head, but he was still worried. Keeping an eye on Bo was difficult. Ever since they had run away from their grandfather's house, Prosper had asked himself at least three times a day whether he had been right to take his little brother with him. On that night eight weeks ago, Bo had trailed alongside him with sleepy eyes. He had held on to his big brother's hand all the way to the station. Getting to Venice had been easier than Prosper had expected, but it was already autumn when they arrived in the city and the air had not been as warm and gentle as Prosper had imagined it. A damped wind greeted them as they climbed down the steps from the station, blowing right through their thin clothes. All they had with them was a small bag and a backpack. Prosper's allowance hadn't lasted long, and after the second night, Bo had already started coughing so badly that Prosper had taken him by the hand to go and find a policeman. He had been determined to use the few bits of Italian he had learned from his mother and to say, Scusi, we have run away from home, but my brother is sick. Could you call my aunt so she can come and pick him up? He had been desperate. And then Hornet appeared. She had taken them to her hiding place where they'd met Rico and Mosca and then giving them dry clothes and something to eat. Then she explained to Prosper that they could forget about stealing and being cold, as from now on, Scipio, the thief lord, will look after them, just like he looked after Hornet and her friends. The others are probably waiting for us, Hornet's first voice startled Prosper out of his thoughts, and for a moment he didn't know where he was. The smells of coffee and sweet pastries wafted at him from the houses. Their home had smelled very different. I bet we'll still have to clean up, said Bo. Sibio doesn't like it when the hideout is messy. You can talk. Who spilled the bucket full of canal water yesterday? And he always leaves out some cheese for the mice, Hornet giggled, as Bo gave her a shove with his elbow. Even though he knows the thief lord hates nothing more than mouse droppings, it's just too bad that the wonderful hideout he's found for us all is full of them and that it's so difficult to keep the place warm. Perhaps something less grand would have been more practical, but of course the thief lord won't have it any other way. The Star Palace, Bo corrected her. He ran after the other two as they turned into a less crowded alley. Scipio says it's called the Star Palace. Hornet rolled her eyes. Watch it, she whispered to Posper. Soon Bo won't listen to you at all anymore only to what Scipio tells him. 
And what can I do about it? Prosper replied sulkily. Prosper knew perfectly well that it was only thanks to Scipio that they didn't have to sleep on the street anymore, especially now when the evenings had a cold mist hung over the alleyways and canals. Scipio's raids paid for their pasta and their fresh fruit. Scipio had brought the shoes that were keeping Bo's feet warm, even though they were a bit big for him. Scipio made sure they could eat without having to always steal for it. Scipio had given them a home again, a home without Esther. But still, Scipio was a thief. The alleys they walked through became narrower. It was quiet between the houses, and soon they entered the heart of the city, where there were hardly any strangers. Cats darted away as their footsteps rang out on the paving stones. Pigeon cooed from their roofs. The ever-present water swayed beneath the bridges, splashing against boats and wooden posts, and reflecting back the old faces of the houses. The children wandered deeper and deeper into the maze of alleys. The houses seemed to be moving in on them, watching them, as if they knew who they were. Their hiding place was in a building that stood out from its neighbors like a child among grown-ups, low and fat flat between the taller houses. Boarded up windows looked out into the alley. The walls were covered with old yellowed filmed posters and the entrance was blocked off with rusty shutters. A big crooked sign hanging above the entrance read Stella. The movie theater's neon sign hadn't been lit up for a long time but that suited its current inhabitants just fine. Hornet cast a careful glance up and down the alley while Prosper made sure no one was watching them from the surrounding windows. Then they vanished one by one into the narrow passageway that opened up a few steps from the movie theater's main entrance. They were home. End of chapter two.